0: News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email Mark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. I went out
1: of my oxygen tent. Are you, oh, because we're, we're in, in green. green we're in green. I no longer feel knee, uh, that I have a need to be in here.
2: I think we're... I think we're to that point, but that means you're going to sit across from Steve Kushaloff and Ben Reikley and those ilk later this month or later this summer if I take a day off. Well, you just can't take a day off. Okay, that's (laughs) the way to prevent disease infection. You and I don't see anywhere, go anywhere, do anything. And we ignore everybody else. And don't take a day off. No. Well, it's on the mark, isn't it, that our live telephone talk show brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. SunburyMotors.com. Yep. Uh, we have a guest lined up later on this morning. We will open up our toll-free line. Uh, we invite you to email us now at OnTheMarketWKOK.com, at and you can text us at 70236. So glad to say that uh, retired educator and back in the education business, Harvey Edwards is on the line, Tolerance Troop Advisor. Are you still working with the Tolerance uh, Troop, Harvey? Uh,
3: unfortunately... Um the the transition from the high school to the university um didn't work out with regards to the schedules that both groups had so um we informally disbanded um but thanks for having me on and thanks for asking
2: do appreciate
3: that
1: and i'm sure you're not retired because i've known you long enough that you you've always find something useful to do in the community
4: (laughs) uh it it just seems
3: um it just needs to be my good fortune to be able to uh, help when I can. A teacher can.
2: in residence at Susquehanna University on adjunct faculty there, and, uh, of course, for- former Seelands Grove educator is what we were talking about. Very active in the greater Susquehanna Valley United Way diversity and inclusion work as well. Well, Harvey, uh, what's your reaction? You watch this, you know, unfortunately, I have to call you every two years and say, Tell us if we've progressed a little bit to uh, help help us assure that maybe we'll learn from incidents where uh, black lives are, um, you know, injured or killed at the hands of uh, whites. So please uh, tell us we've made a tiny bit of progress over the years.
3: Um, You know, to paraphrase what Dr. King said, um, I, I believe justice is bending arcing in the right direction i think that that this is a watershed moment i mean progress has been made steadily over the years but certainly not to the degree that would satisfy um a whole entire country but i think that this is a a sea change nearly two weeks of protest and and lately largely peaceful in all parts of the country, with diverse groups of people in large numbers. Six-hour protests in Stealing's yesterday. yesterday. Um, I think that there are going to be some lasting changes this time.
1: Harvey, what, what do you think will come out of all this, and what would you like to come out of all this?
3: Well, I think the discussion is uh, centering right now on uh, reforms in terms of policing. And I think that that is the the appropriate place to begin. There is no doubt that there are good and bad people in all professions. We see this with the clergy. It happens with teachers, um, doctors, lawyers, certainly police as well. And so we have to get to a point in this country where If a police officer commits a crime, he should not be above the law. The job is to protect and serve. And so when that officer breaks the law and and shows himself or herself to be a bad cop, then action needs to be taken. And so I think reform is the right place to begin to look carefully at, at What are the procedures that police are using to subdue people? Um, You know, France is ending using the chokehold. Other cities and, and, and places are saying this is inappropriate. Too many people have lost their lives as a result of that kind of restraint. So things like that will make a big difference.
2: We have different callers that say there's no such thing as systematic racism. It doesn't exist. There may be some bad apples out there, but no systematic racism in the U.S. When you hear that, uh, what do you say? How do you even respond?
3: Well, I think, you know, what I try to do is then present the fact. And the facts are as plain as day. And take just for example, this COVID-19 pandemic. The communities that have been hit the hardest are black and brown. And that's because of the inequality in terms of healthcare, in terms of socioeconomic, economic conditions that they live under. We see the disparity in schools in terms of where schools are in in neighborhoods and what their funding is for blacks as opposed to more affluent neighborhoods. So it's there, but people just choose not to see it because they're in this mythic view that this country um, is pretty ideal. I think the ideals of this country are great, but we have yet to achieve what the potential for this country is.
1: Let me ask you, in terms of justice. let me ask you about laws. I mean one of the things that I look at is all the all the legislation we've enacted since nineteen sixty four, the civil rights bill and, and equal housing laws, all the laws we put on the books. Is there another law we need that's gonna help solve the problem or do we just need more and adequate enforcement of the laws already on the books?
3: I, I think we need adequate enforcement of of the laws that are on the books. But I think we also need to look at, um, if, say, for example, with regards to uh, the police, I, I think the police forces need to look at some of the tactics that they use. And if these tactics are causing people to die, then they should change those tactics, create a law to outlaw those tactics, and then standardize it for all the police departments because the patchwork is not going to solve the problem. If, if a technique is proven to be dangerous, it's gonna be dangerous in Los Angeles, just as dangerous in Sealers Grove, just as dangerous in Houston or New York. And so, I think there are some laws that can target specifically some things that maybe need to be banned uh, or, or, um, or changed, so I think legislation can make a difference, but it really has to be targeted.
2: Well, I may be able to point out uh, disparities in, in health care and education and uh, w- and housing and a wide range of other institutional uh, issues in the U.S. You may be able to say, though, simply, well, you know, around here, it doesn't seem as bad. I don't have it as bad. I'm certainly not a victim of that uh, kind of discrimination. How do you mobilize the haves to give a hoot about the have-nots?
3: I think that that is the difference today. Seeing the people protesting today, um, and I'm gonna say largely the younger generation, um, they seem to be sending a message that we're not going to stand for this. I think that if there's one positive from social media, it is the ability for these younger people to communicate and realize that if you take away the pictures, and people communicating on social media, skin color doesn't matter, hair color doesn't matter. And so it is going to make the difference because these young people are saying, as, as it's often said, a rising tide lifts all boats. We all can't advance if other people are drowning. We're, we're still losing people. And so what has to happen is the collective good helps everyone, and that's, and that's where I think this is going with this movement.
1: What about, you know, let, let's talk for a minute about the, the downside of this, which has been the destruction, the rioting, the uh, people who were injured, and there have actually been a number of white officers killed and injured, and other black citizens who've been hurt. And Dr. King, I think, taught us, I always thought he taught us, that nonviolence was the correct path, but it seems we've strayed from that, and we stray from it a little too easily. What, what's your opinion of that?
3: Um, this, this country was founded on protest. Um The, the system that we have right now, um, violence is embedded in it. Um, we have the genocide of native people uh, the enslavement of Africans so it is almost as if it is in our DNA that that is going to rise up sometimes but if we live up to the ideals of the family fathers many of whom owned slaves so they had that blind spot as well um, justice for all everyone is equal and yet they held slaves so there is always going to be that uh, again it's again similar to the situation with the police Um, the majority of police officers are probably good professional people doing their job and goodness knows in light of protests and things like that they endure a great deal they signed up for the job they had to know that it wasn't going to be easy and they have to remain professional and when they lose their professionalism, that's when they end up being on the bad side of the law. So we're not gonna have perfection, but we can get closer to a more unified nation if we work on the original sin, which is this 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 manufactured idea of race. Because there's only one people on the on the earth and that's we're human. And you know, that word hue as in color. We have different shades and, 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 and complexions and everything else, but the bottom line is we all bleed red. We all essentially want the same things in life in terms of um, living a, a, a well, healthy life. And, and the bottom line is there are going to be people who work towards that end, and there are going to be other people who Well, essentially, they end up being the bad apples in
1: the barrel. Well, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has gotten a lot of praise for her actions in Atlanta, and she actually stopped the protesters dead in their tracks by reminding, or the rioters, I won't say not the protesters, but the rioters dead in their tracks by reminding them that they were dishonoring Dr. King's legacy. How about today's crop of black leaders across the country? Are they good? Are they doing the right things? Would you change what they're doing or change their approach in any way?
3: Um, it's tough to throw um, a net over all of them. I I would honestly have to say that those leaders, black, white, yellow, brown, whatever, those leaders who are looking at all of us as human beings, as opposed to um, notions of this thing called race. Those leaders who are advocating for justice for all are the leaders that we need to be listening to. Um, Those leaders who, and, and I've seen some video of people trying to break into stores and other people in the protest stepping in front of those stores saying, no, that's not what we're about. We need to be following those leaders, regardless of whether they're black, white, yellow, brown, if we wanna go into the color thing, we need to be following leaders who are looking for justice to uplift everyone. And fairness, justice and fairness.
2: We've seen we've seen a lot of young people get involved in the protests uh, locally, and people of all ages, but uh, predominantly young people. So I, I'm always heart- heartened that I see that you know there's the next generation of people that are going to be fighting for solutions uh, around here. But unfortunately, in the news, we often see the the next generation of uh, people that are not afraid to show their prejudice. We see an SU student uh, had produced was part of a video and some uh, school age high school age students that were in featured in a video that uh, featured them using the n-word and, and some other disparaging remarks. So I know you're proud when you see folks uh, on the street corner uh, uh, speaking out. What's your reaction when you hear that the next generation of bigots are being raised up around here as well?
3: That kind of bigotry can only thrive when good people remain silent. and that happens too often. So many times it can be shut down by simply saying, I don't want to hear that or I don't believe that. But too many good people remain silent. And I'm not just talking about ordinary people. I'm talking about politicians who have power but in the face of what they perceive to be greater power they remain silent. And that is what condones the bigotry, the hatred, and all of those things that cause the negativity that is here. So people need to speak out, and it doesn't have to be an argument. You know, for example, if somebody begins a joke, um, there's this Jew, there's this Catholic, and you know, I don't, want, I don't want to hear that. I don't. I can tell you right now that's not going to be funny to me. So we need to speak up we need to in the face of this kind of bigotry call it out and say what you're saying is wrong that's important to do and every person can do that and if more people did uh we would begin to have less and maybe some of those people would turn around and 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 begin to listen because many times those people who don't think there's systematic racism or um bad police officer or whatever they're not willing to listen from the beginning and so we've got to get a dialogue on a level where people begin
1: Okay, I agree with you, but here's here's the issue. So much time, so many times today, we can't have a frank discussion. I might say something to you, and you're offended by the fact that I've said it. You know how are we ever going to have that kind of a conversation if we can't be frank with each other, tell each other how we feel? I mean, I've seen so many instances where somebody there's just one in uh, Middletown Borough where a council president or a councilman down there posted some really offensive stuff, uh, and the community and the other members of council were very upset. About the fact that he did it, he apologized. But if we don't know where people are coming from, if we can't sit down and talk frankly about our differences and how we feel, how are we ever going to resolve it?
3: You know, I think uh, a, a, another example of that might um, that people might be more aware of is Drew Brees. His statement about I, I you know, he, he cannot defend anyone who kneels for the flag. And that's because his perspective, from his white perspective, he was looking at, this is disrespecting my grandfathers who fought in World War II and whatever, whatever, whatever. He lost sight of the fact that black people fought in World War II, and when they came back, this country treated them like less than equal citizens. And... Colin Kaepernick made it very clear that the reason he was taking a knee, a peaceful protest, was to bring attention to the police brutality against people of color. He was not disrespecting the flag. And in fact, he was told to take a knee because a Marine, a white Marine said to him, when you take a knee, you are showing respect. You are showing respect or fallen comrade or someone who is suffering and so that's why he began to do it so we need to talk things out we really do and Drew Brees apologized twice he had to apologize twice um, I believe he'll be playing football and I believe his teammates will be with him and sometimes you just really need uh, to have a hard conversation respectfully and civilly and and i don't think we're going to get past it until that's where we are as as a people where we can sit down and agree to disagree but at least begin to listen because when we begin to listen and not just simply stay in our silos we might hear what the other person is saying and understand it and i think in the case of drew drew Brees, he was coming from a perspective where he lost sight of the fact that Black people fought in World War II helped to liberate the world from Nazism, but when they came back to their own country, they were treated like second-class citizens. So it's important to have a bigger picture, and we get that from listening to other people's views and not just hunkering down in our bunkers and saying, "Uh, that's it, I don't believe you, I don't agree with you, and what have you.
1: Even if they say something we don't want to hear or we don't like.
3: I think it takes, um, there was a protester out west somewhere where, um, she's a black woman, and this man came over and was just shouting in her face horrible things. His, his wife was nearby saying nothing. When he was arrested and taken away, they actually bought a bouquet of flowers or something and gave it to the, the wife and said you know we, we don't harbor any hate against you or whatever we don't know what is upsetting your husband but we don't know you we don't hate you and here is a gift to show you that you know we can still agree to disagree and she accepted that things of that nature will bring about change um, we have to be, we have to be bigger people. You know, Michelle Obama said, "When they go low, you go high." Y- you have to be bigger than that pettiness.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and your information, and thank you, Harvey, and, and your insights and thoughts. We very much appreciate it. Keep in touch. Keep listening. Feel free to call anytime too. We're we're on this topic for a while, so uh, we do appreciate you checking in, Harvey Edwards. Thank you, sir.
3: Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate
2: it. Take care, Harvey. Thank you, Harvey Edwards, educator at Susquehanna University and uh, retired educator at Sealands Area School District, very active in the greater Susquehanna Valley United Way as well. We will be right back. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. You'd have to be a speedy dialer, but we know we do enjoy a few of those in the audience, so call us now, 1-800-795-9565. no trouble with the old memory there this morning, you <laughs> that's what codger. It was. Yeah, that's what it was. Go ahead. One of our texters
1: says, Last time I checked, it's against the law for a cop to commit a crime just like everyone else. If they aren't being prosecuted when they commit a crime, then the prosecutors need looked at, along with certain cops. Minneapolis is a prime example, the cop accused of killing Floyd was a problem cop, and the prosecutors failed to take care of the problem. Klobuchar is a prime example, and she wants to be president of the United States. I think she may have given up that objective. <laughs> well, now she might want to be VP. And another one of our uh, texters says, the majority of police officers are probably good people. What kind of a statement is that? Okay, <laughs> that's a good question. Well, I believe you the majority of
2: the I, You know, he doesn't know every officer in the U.S., so how is he going to speak for them? Well, I they're mean, they're, probably good people. I agree.
1: Yeah, we, who else got into trouble for that? President Trump got in trouble for saying that the protesters in Charlottesville, some of them were probably good people. Well, he's the
2: leader <laughs> of the free world.
1: <laughs> I'm not even a
2: good at radio announcer.
1: I mean, let's face it. There are good people and bad people, as Harvey pointed out, in every occupation and every everything in life. There are good and there are bad people. Well, there's good doctors and bad doctors. Right. Uh, one of our texters says, Good morning. People on the right are saying that these protesters should be shot. Really? I haven't said that, and I don't know anybody among wait, 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 the right
2: way off the text here. Where are you getting that?
1: Right at the bottom. Good morning. People on the right are saying that these protesters should be shot. Okay. Like what? Trump, when he said looting starts the sho- when the looting starts, the shooting starts, this is just wrong. Also, they say he had so many lawless crimes, he is not a victim. Wrong again. Signed, Bob.
2: Okay, there you go. That's what it really says. You weren't off on a diatribe there with, that wasn't in evidence.
1: Well, but, you know, when you start out and say all people on the right are saying protesters should be shot, that's a pretty bold statement, and it's incorrect. No, Most it of doesn't say
2: all people. It says people on the right, while some are people are. That D- these protesters should be shot. Your Fox favorite president <laughs> is among them. Get your
1: them. CNN funnel out of your ear for a minute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have a uh, New York Times funnel. All right, we thank everybody for participating. More of this. David Rowe going to check in, talking about uh, the uh, Democrats you. are revolting. This is WKOK Sunbury. Wait a minute.
0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
2: Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. I'm Mark. Joe's there. Rob's where he needs to be in the producer's chair on the other side of the glass. So we appreciate that. And Mr. Joe's on the other side of the tent. So we're glad he's there. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line now open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We're going to hear from house member David Rose shortly. So we'll be talking to him. You can email us at OnTheMarketWDKOK.com and text us at 70236. In the news, there were no changes to the local COVID-19 case numbers, and so far, this region is doing well as for keeping COVID-19 numbers low. In their daily update Monday, State Department of Health said there were no new cases in Snyder, Union, North or and Montour counties. All Valley counties are also within the newly established criteria for state officials to slow the spread. That is stable, decreasing, or low confidence. Confirmed new case counts over the last two weeks. Contact or contact uh, tracings going well. Positive coronavirus test results are below 10% in the past two weeks, and hospital bed availability is high. Currently, the state uh, says there are 620 people who have a positive antibody test and either COVID-19 symptoms, and they're also considered uh, probable COVID-19 cases in Pennsylvania. In Seelands Grove, for the second time of a week in a week, a protest was held to fight ra- racism and police brutality. About seven people, 70 people gathered along Market Street to peacefully remember George Floyd and call for systemic change. People were holding signs with the message Black Lives Matter and other statements remembering the lives of Floyd as well as Ormond Arbery and Breonna Taylor. The demonstration was from noon to 6 p.m. yesterday. It was the second protest in Sealance Grove in the past two weeks. The current call to defund and reform policing in Pennsylvania did not go unheard by a former local District Attorney Bob Uner, Jr., was on WKOK's On the Mark program there, says there has been training for some police to make sure that they can de-escalate confrontations.
4: There are
6: tools and techniques that one can use that's called safe physical management to control these people when they get uh, out of control. Adopting those kinds of tactics is important
2: on a statewide committee that works with officers to keep them up to date he says they have to have hours of 30 hours of mandatory retraining uh, every year some of that does relate to confrontations and de-escalation black Democrats in the state House preempted the day's business yesterday in an effort to force action on changes to policing in Pennsylvania they commandeered the podium for 90 minutes at the start of the voting session they hung a black lives b- banner a black lives matter banner from the speaker's diet Representative Malcolm Kenyatta took the podium to ask for police reform. The protest was paused, if not halted, after the Republican speaker said he would meet with leaders of both parties and supported holding a special session on the police reform measures. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Motorists could be in for some delays in downtown Lewisburg for the next few weeks. PennDOT says they set up shop on Market Street between 8th and Water, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. with that work. There's also night paving on underway in Northumberland, and the Route 11 Bald Top Road restrictions are back on Route 11 near Danville. And some good news who want to go see the for folks who want to go see the president. President Donald Trump says he's aiming to resume campaign rallies in the coming weeks, though the locations are still being worked out. Trump's rally schedule came to a halt three months ago, of course, during COVID-19. But the president says he's eager to resume the rallies that have been the hallmark of his political career and election. The president's eagerness to resume rallies comes as internal and public surveys show his re-election campaign is struggling. It's unclear what specific precautions will be implemented to protect the president and attendees from the potential spread of coronavirus at presidential rallies. So he'll be back on the road, ASAP. Well, when you consider the
1: World Health Organization is now saying, and UPMC doctors are saying No, well, no, 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 no. it. No, no,
2: that's not Hard true. Hard to get it. One doctor in the WHO said that. Not all doctors, and that's not the WHO's but, but full U- position. But UPMC said the same thing. That's one doctor at UPMC. There's no argument one. there. <laughs> no, just one. Sorry, we had another one on today that says almost diametrically the opposite. So you only hear what you want to hear, Joe. That's well, the important I've got thing. you got that CNN funnels so stuck in your ear. These funnels uh, screen things out. Yes, they do. Well, one man who's been a natural-born listener all his life and now is really paying off, David Rowe, State Representative, 85th District, uh, Republican freshman lawmaker in Harrisburg. Did you see this uh, event yesterday in, in the State House? Well, good morning, Mark. Good
7: morning, Joe. Morning, Thank Dave. you for having me. I i was actually uh, uh voting remotely yesterday as i had a couple of events in the district a couple of uh, appointments already scheduled uh but i was watching the live streams on facebook uh, that were being. Uh broadcasted by a couple different representatives uh, and was able to uh, witness the entire thing was on the phone with a couple of my colleagues as well who were keeping me apprised of the situation
8: uh, situation
2: well your reaction to their call for action on certain bills the content of those bills and uh, uh, tell us your view on all this
7: well unfortunately I think we just uh, witnessed uh, some very dramatic political theater. Uh, not that any of these legislators uh, you know, uh, issues that they wish to advocate for uh, that they are not necessarily not passionate about them, uh, but there is certainly a legislative process and a uh, a set the quorum that has existed in the House of Representatives for centuries, uh, and yesterday that was just all thrown out the window. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a, a number of people essentially seize control and shut down the entire House of Representatives and shut down the ability for the elected body to function uh, as it has been elected by the people to do. Uh, you know, it's, it was evident after the fact when uh, the Speaker essentially asked the, asked the, the demonstrators you know, well, where is this list? They kept talking about they had all these bills that they felt were stalled. They were uh, advocating for these bills that they claim were being blocked. Uh, But when they were asked for the list, they didn't even have one prepared. Uh, We didn't even receive the list. I only received it about half an hour ago, finally. Uh, The chairman of the Judiciary Committee, where most of these bills are parked, uh, had said that not a single one of these members had approached him ever uh, about uh, moving their bills. And a lot of these were veteran lawmakers who who are well aware of the legislative process. That when it comes to advocating for a cause, one of the first steps is working with the chairman of the committee where it has been referred to, uh, to begin developing a plan to moving for moving the bill forward. And not one of these uh, lawmakers ever approached the judiciary chairman about any of these bills.
1: But should they have Uh, to? But should they have to, Dave? Shouldn't the chairman be moving them on his own if they have merit? Why should they have to approach him?
7: So the, the number of bills that are 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 drafted, introduced. I mean, their bills are introduced by the thousands. Uh, so typically, uh, any time a bill moves, it is brought to the attention of the chairman uh, by one of the authors of that bill, uh, and and so it's rather than the the chairman necessarily picking and choosing from a whole list, which is which is certainly within their prerogative. Uh, many times when there is an issue that a lawmaker is passionate about that perhaps isn't on the radar of the chairman, uh, it's that lawmaker's duty to advocate for that issue to that chairman. And that has been the process uh, you know, for, for centuries in the House of Representatives, uh, but that seems to have been thrown out the window. Even the, even the Democratic staff in the Judiciary Committee did not know what bills the protesters were advocating for at the time.
2: Do you favor? Uh, if you read Pen Live the next day, you can find out what the bills are. They have a list of them. So that not with the bill mm-hmm. numbers, that would probably be helpful to you. One would have a, a registry of police officers that have a series of serious infractions. Would you favor that idea? Well, there's a lot
7: of uh, excellent bills, uh, excellent ideas that they are promoting, and that that is the uh, the other. Uh, Prime demonstration that this was nothing more than political theater, unfortunately, is because there were several opportunities uh, in some of their, uh, some of the bills they're advocating for it to work across the aisle. Uh, the minority whip jordan harris uh, uh commented uh that one of the bills well one uh, policy objective he was interested in was uh transparency and union negotiations to ensure that workers rights are protected and you know transparency in union negotiations has been a uh, a republican objective for a long time so there's definitely an opportunity for bipartisanship there you know, we have been working on criminal justice reform options, you know, if it's you know, reforming civil asset forfeiture or banning no-knock warrants. There are there is lots of, of policy objectives that are bipartisan in nature, uh, and at no point was I or any other uh, Republican member approached uh, by, these, uh, by these lawmakers to, to co-author or to co-sponsor or to work together on any of these issues that many of them oh, we could have worked across the aisle on.
1: You use the word you could have worked worked across the aisle on. Does that indicate that the feeling on the Republican side now is so bitter they don't even want to have a legitimate discussion with these people or the pro- protesters about their issues?
7: No, absolutely not. In fact, we, uh, we just had a, uh, a caucus early this morning, uh, and we were you know, discussing a lot of the issues, and, and some of the issues uh, we were actually already working on uh and so the uh, a lot of the issues that they are passionate about you know we have a respect for that and a lot of the issues we can definitely work on uh but uh you know uh commandeering the rostrum uh, and essentially shutting down the functions of the house uh sets a very dangerous precedent going forward uh to where policy and uh the uh, scheduling of bills has been determined uh by the speaker and the leadership which is determined by the majority party which is determined by the voters of pennsylvania and so uh the the solution to this issue uh is you know the the uh policies that the democrats have been advocating for has not allowed them to have the majority in the house and the solution is not for them to simply seize control of the rostrum in defiance of the voters of Pennsylvania, uh, because that does set a very dangerous precedent going forward to whoever can get the most people up at the rostrum first decides what happens. Uh, and that's going to be a very disorganized uh, House of Representatives very quickly.
1: Well, don't you have a sergeant-at-arms who would have been responsible for maintaining order in the chamber? Yes,
7: and the Sergeant of Arms uh, serves at the pleasure of the Speaker, uh, and I, while I would not necessarily want to speak for uh, speak for Speaker Terzai, I believe that his intent, uh, I believe he realized uh, that uh, they were hoping that this stunt would get them uh, a significant amount of press, and I think that the Speaker thought that uh, uh, perhaps forcibly removing them from the roster would only uh, exacerbate that, so he uh, instead opted to allow them their their time to uh speak and to demonstrate uh and uh, I'm i'm not sure if you saw it the speaker himself uh offered some words to try to diffuse the situation uh and to try to bring them to the table for a discussion uh and the lack of preparation when it came to having that meeting where they didn't even have their list of bills prepared uh would seem to suggest that they were expecting to be forced off the rostrum, and they weren't expecting any sort of uh conversation to take place after the demonstration
1: well you can't deny that they got everybody's attention from that standpoint they
7: They certainly did although i'm not sure if they again sets a very dangerous precedent going forward uh you know at some point in the near future uh, at some point in the future as always happens i'm sure the uh, the General Assembly might be in Democratic uh, majority hands as uh, these things go back and forth from time to time, you know, the political pendulum swings, And I would wonder if the uh, the House Democrats would uh, be so uh, enthused about civil disobedience uh, if the pro-life caucus were to block the operations of the House until the heartbeat bill was run, or if the Second Amendment caucus was to block operations of the House until constitutional carry was passed. Uh, and so, the democrats need to keep in mind that these sort of tactics uh might play well to the media in the short term, uh, but in the long term, they need to consider the ramifications of their actions.
2: Good point. Would there ever be a point where you would speak out a turn or demonstrate or seize the rostrum, or break ranks uh, from your fellow Republicans if you felt super strongly about some particular issue or bill that wasn't getting addressed or institution or systemic issue that was being ignored? Is there anything in your life that you feel so strongly about that you'd be willing to demonstrate?
7: Well, I think that it's very important to maintain and respect the, the rules and the procedures uh, that we have established in the House of Representatives. And there are several issues, as, as, as you both know, that I am very passionate about, uh, uh, that you know, I have been frustrated, have not been uh, run in the House. There's, there's two bills I just mentioned, the Constitutional Carry Bill, uh, the uh, heartbeat bill, bill that I'm very passionate about that haven't been run, uh, but it is uh, not a acceptable precedent to simply ignore the written rules to try to uh, demand a shortcut. Rather, uh, it has been the objective of uh, my fellow colleagues and myself to to lobby uh, leadership and the various chairmen and to work with various advocacy groups uh, to try and accomplish our legislative objectives uh, within the confines of the established procedure and precedent.
2: Is there any cause to which you would do what they did?
7: I cannot see myself at any point uh, upending uh, centuries of established decorum and order uh, to simply uh, to simply make a statement. Uh, There are plenty of opportunities to speak on the House floor. There are opportunities to speak as points of personal privilege, uh, where any member can uh, speak from the floor on an issue that they are passionate about, that they can advocate for, Uh, and that will certainly be a route that I would take to speak on an issue I was passionate about. Uh, But to shut down the House of Representatives in defiance of uh, the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, I think is a very dangerous thing. We had a number of uh, bills that were really important bills uh, regarding uh, reimbursement for... Uh, personal protective equipment for long term care facilities, which as we know have just been, uh, just devastated, uh, by the Wolf policies of mandated readmittance for COVID positive patients. Uh, and we were trying to work to help them. Uh, we were working on, uh, tax, uh, tax issues, tax relief for home buyers, uh, and a number of things that were sadly sidelined, uh, by this spectacle. And, uh, Pennsylvanians will be worse off because of the delay.
1: Well, let me ask you this, this was primarily the Black caucus in the House. What did the House Democrats generally feel about this? Did they support it? or did they join you in thinking that the rule should have been followed?
7: Uh, I have not spoke to any of my Democratic colleagues about uh, their, their thoughts on the matter, so I, I couldn't speak to uh, speak for them on it.
2: All right. Well, thank you. Anything else to add about these important topics? We'll definitely schedule a lengthier interview with them, um, talking about all the uh, everything else, <laughs> as they say, because there's a ton going on. Uh, but anything you'd like yeah. to add now?
7: Well, absolutely. You know, I, I think that there is certainly an opportunity here, and you know, the, the death of George Floyd, which was which was tragic, and I'm very glad that there is an investigation uh, into that issue. Uh, you know, that was, I think, a, a unifying issue for many people. You know, I, I think that the vast majority of people uh, see his death as avoidable uh, and they see it as the opportunity to affect positive change. And as I mentioned, there are several uh, criminal justice reforms out there that we could certainly work towards uh, if it's civil asset forfeiture elimination or, you know, a ban on no-knock warrants that have, you know puts the uh, constitutional rights of Americans at risk. You know, the the, the, uh, the passion Behind the, the the death of George Floyd would have definitely been something that could have allowed us to make uh, significant progress forward on a lot of these issues, uh, and it's unfortunate that it has become so heavily politicized, uh, whether it's by these sort of uh, heavily partisan demonstrations or uh, by the the, the tragic uh, riots and looting that is happening in our major cities that, ironically, disproportionately hurts Black people uh, as uh you know we have minority owned storefronts and uh businesses that employ uh, employ a vast majority of uh, minority people and they are the ones that are now losing their businesses and losing their livelihood uh, because of the violence and so we have this uh, contrast between the peaceful protesters that uh would be able to perhaps find common ground when it comes to criminal justice reform that republicans have advocated for for years uh, and then we have the other side of it, which unfortunately is hamstringing what could be a potentially uh, golden opportunity to make real positive change uh, in the criminal justice arena that the Republicans have been working to for a long time. You know, President Trump did lead uh, lead the way on signing several criminal justice reform bills in Pennsylvania. We have the Justice Reinvestment Initiative bills uh, that uh, were a huge role. And so these are the sorts of things that we could be working together on, and I would hope that in the future uh, that, you know, our, my fellow lawmakers would be more interested in, in harnessing that passion for making positive change than they are for just getting headlines. All
2: right, well, keep in touch. Do check back in. Put put on your calendar in the next, uh, <laughs> I was going to say 90 days, but in the next two weeks, check back in, and <laughs> we'll, we'll visit some of these bills, plus the bills you're talking about that uh, you're championing. We've, we've, we certainly are familiar with those, and and uh, there's only so much time in the clock down there, so that's, of course, a limiting factor. But thank you so much. Keep in touch. Thanks, you have Dave. an open mic here any time.
7: Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Have a wonderful day, guys.
2: You Thank too. You. David Rose, state representative, freshman and Republican in the 85th District. He lives out of Lewisburg, business person, and uh, one of the bills he champions relates to individuals with special needs to make the playing field even more uh, fair for those individuals, and of course, it's hard to get anything advanced. The, b- the big bills are taking up all the space down there. All right, we have open phones right now. Call us immediately, 1-800-795-9565. We have three Three thoughtful emails that our listeners have sent us, so we'll sift through those. 1 800 <laughs> back. Welcome back, to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, 100% open phones right now, up to the top of the hour. So you got 30 minutes to do your speedy dialing. 1-800-795-9565 is the telephone number. Call us now. Your thoughts about David Rowe, saying that uh, he really uh, just left a bad taste in his mouth about the demonstration that he saw yesterday in the State House, and breaking uh, centuries of protocol that's been observed for the most part. Although over in the Senate, the... Uh, uh, not the vice president, uh, the, the president pro tem. No, the, the lieutenant, lieutenant governor. Lieutenant governor had a mind of its own about six months ago. You remember, right? right and that caused quite a consternation, too. Right. I guess. Well, you know, this is that East thing these Democrats know. have no respect for tradition. Well, it could be. <laughs> but here's the rub. You know, you and I talked about this before. I asked you before pointedly what is it that what cause in your life would you ever be so fed up about that you would demonstrate protest you know break the law do something like that and you didn't have you know there's nothing in your life same with david Rowe, there's nothing that would cause him to step out of bounds in, in these you know well, in i this, might protest in these protocols so and i think a lot of people are like that they don't have anything in their life but for which they difference. would fight or or break laws or there, stand there, in front of a crowd okay,
1: there's a difference between protesting something and define something. In other words, I might stand out in the street corner to protest something, but I would not Disrupt society right. in order to advance my agenda. Yeah, that's what there's I'm saying. The I mean, you, but there's two different things you, there. You write can a protest. a letter and, and contact your and congressman. I have. I've written letters many times. I right. write to my congressman. I write to the written letters to the editor. There are things I feel very strongly about. But would I go out and stand in the middle of traffic on Route 11 and 15 uh, to try and make my point? No, mm-hmm. I would not do that. Right.
2: So Well, and that's the point. I, I think uh, some people are so concerned about real issues in their lives that they are fed up and they are willing to stand in the middle of a highway i don't know which one it was but down by philadelphia some folks got in the middle of one of the interstates there and of course and uh, so what would the net result of that be well does society
1: all, change because i blocked traffic on 11 and 15 for an hour on a tuesday
2: afternoon you just never know you know <laughs> but if you don't take drastic action if you if you if there's nothing in your life that you're fed up about that you're willing to really fight for positive change no it won't change
1: the thing but in the case of the state legislature yesterday, according to Dave Rowe, they they never contacted the chairman of the committee to suggest he advance the bills. Well, I, I you know I don't
2: know how the so in other are words, would you jump
1: out into the middle of traffic first, or would you do
2: other things first? Uh, my my comment, I right? My I, I, I see they're w- they're way outside the bounds of the normal operation in Harrisburg, so that's.
1: Wouldn't that's, you admit that you would try the letter to the editor first before you jumped out into the middle of traffic <laughs> and said, "Stop! I want my, I want you to hear my opinion."
2: No, all my good guy letters. Uh, the only thing I write <laughs> you don't the letters do No, my good guy letters are all I write to the editor. <laughs> uh, my bad guy stuff, I I say here on the radio. Okay. Well, and you and. I have talked about this. We're both anti-racist, but we're not doing anything outside of work. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not standing on a street corner with the rest of these good people that are. I'm not uh, contacting my friends and say, look, I want you to post a meme on Facebook that I'm sharing, or I'd like you to share a Facebook. I'm not doing that. I sit here in this chair and uh, and I try to make sure that people, uh, you know, know where I stand on these topics.
1: What you do, I think you do what you can, where you can, with what you've got. Uh, I've, I've never mentioned this before, I don't think, but the, one of the awards I'm proudest of that I received was from my time as a councilman in the borough of Chambersburg. When I left, the minority community gave me an award as a great friend of the minority community because I worked to advance fair housing in an area that was blighted and tried to get money, actually did get some money, to start reconstructing that area. You know, So there was something I could do. There was a need I saw, and I worked with everybody on the borough council at the time to get it at least started it wasn't finished. In my time there, but at least was started. Now the area has been rehabbed, and it's a very—it's an asset to the community. So, I mean, I think you do what you can, where you can, with what you've got. And here, I mean, I can, I don't see any overt racism here, but, but I must say, I did hear the best example of white privilege I ever heard the other day, the best definition of it, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't qualify as white privilege. It said basically, and it was from a black man, he said basically, being white, you haven't experienced any negative things because of the color of your skin. Now, that's true. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't been anywhere where my being white was a problem. Now, I'm sure there are places I could go where it would be, uh, but, you know, I haven't experienced that, and it's not something I see every day of my life. I'm not more likely to be pulled over by a cop or any of that kind of stuff. But, I mean, again, you go back to to, to me, it's what's in people's hearts, and
2: that's a hard thing to change. Go visit. One of our listeners sends a note says, go visit Chester, PA. I know the mayor of Chester. And isn't? you'll... Uh, You'll have trouble. I might, I don't know. Uh, Is that like ninety percent black? I know it's a predominantly black community near Philadelphia, but I don't know about the
1: Well the Mayor of Chester is in our state mayor's association. No, the mayor of Chester is in our state association. Nice nice person.
2: African American. Yes, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. We would invite you to call us. Uh, we have three emails pending, so we're going to read those. We got Bobby on the line. Good morning, sir. Time for your daily therapy. What's cooking? How are you doing today?
8: Yes, yes. um Good morning, everyone. You know, I agree with Joe. We have to change from inside and change our hearts. I mean, if we're going to protest something. Uh, The the example in my life was a a bank statement that came uh, that I got an extra fee, and I didn't know about the extra fee until the bank statement came, so I called up the bank, went down, and they explained everything to me, and then I signed a paper, and uh, the way I signed the paper, I'm going to say my protest was over, and they changed everything, and I walked out the door in a half hour. I mean, you know, what I'm trying to say there is basically that, you know, we can all come together uh, and all do our research to what we're protesting about, and then uh, take it from there. And there are, like Joe keeps saying, there are mechanisms to do that without, um, without jumping in the middle of Routes 11 and 15, or in my case, right on here on Ray Street. I mean, that's <laughs> what... But, you know, there are basic um, steps that you could take.
2: Oh yeah, I agree. You have to take action sometimes. You have to do what it takes to get your message out. And sometimes it is just standing on a street corner and that's a very noteworthy and honorable uh, activity. But uh, sometimes you got to be a little more disruptive, unfurl a banner or whatever it takes. All right. Thank you so much, Bobby. Joey, you ready to do, read one, and then okay. we'll take the
1: break. All right. Uh, one of the unfortunate parts of the dirty cop and his knee is regarding a story I heard. Either on TV or radio, someone heard the other officers who were merely observing the knee killing were being trained by the one who did the deed. At least one of them was on the job for about three days, according to the story. Wonder how that will fare out in sentencing. I think the supervisor who sent this dirty cop out with several trainees should be fired, especially since the killer had so many reprimands under his belt and was still selected to do the training. Can't understand that. This is not an excuse for the other officers, but with only a few days on the job and in a learning situation, who's to say the officer who did the deed was not their supervisor and they were afraid to intercede? The whole thing is a tragic mess, to say the least. George Floyd needs to rest in peace. Whatever changes need made insofar as policies within the police department should be done immediately with the exception of defunding the police. Isn't that the most stupid idea of the left ever. Why in the world would we not need police protection? I can't imagine living in a world that allows none of that. Besides, this is bunching all of the police together and assuming they are all bad. Policies need changed as well as training. Unfortunately, with the unions, changes are a problem, but that needs to be addressed. The good old boy syndrome needs to stop
2: and stop now. Wow, good letter. Very comprehensive. Yes. I I don't think defunding the police is, is a uh, invention of the left though i think that is part of the black lives matter um, not demands but uh, suggestions well, I don't think and they're on ideas. the right are they and i think it Well, no, but left. I think of Democrats and and, you know the wide range of people in the U.S. who are liberal that might not be in a political party. I don't think that's really part of the left. (laughs) I think they, (laughs) like me, heard that phrase for the first time over the weekend, and it means widely different things to different people, and so. Well, in Minneapolis, they're going to be transformative. Okay, well then. But
1: you know what's interesting? Don't know whether you saw it, but in New York yesterday, there were protesters in front of Gracie Mansion, demanding the mayor resign because because they don't think he he did enough in, in saying he was going to cut police funding. He said he was going to cut it, but they were upset. In another city people were
2: demonstrating out in front of the mayor's
1: house because he said he was going to increase funding for the police
2: <laughs> all right 1-800-795-9565 defund the police what's your view on that what does it mean to you uh it, it, it to the best of my knowledge in most instances it doesn't mean just getting rid of police reprioritizing maybe examining what's the best way to police and uh i think in minneapolis that, it was to eliminate the police you isn't what got that lost emotion? in all
1: this the virus all of this stuff, we were Blood all... virus? That virus. Oh, oh, the coronavirus. Yeah, now they're saying you can stay. You could have gone out. No, schools no, no. could have been held. Not they.
2: Sorry. <laughs> Just he. Go ahead. But say he. He's a smart guy. He's a smart doc. Dr. Fauci even indicated that schools could have been held. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Call us immediately.
1: Are you okay, buddy? Yeah, I am. Mm. I'm just thinking about what you said. <laughs> oh, Sometimes all... we can't pr- pr- repeat everything that we discuss off
2: mic. Nope. Okay. 1-800-795- Fortunately for the audience. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be interested anyway. <laughs> all right, is our telephone number. we got callers waiting. Uh, Dick is first at the top of the line. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark.
4: Uh, well, so I wanted really to make uh, three points, really. A few weeks ago, one of your callers, I'm not sure who it was, called in and said about in Scandinavia, Sweden had an o- kind of an open thing, and Denmark and Finland and, and Norway kind of locked their stuff down. Well, you know, in Sweden, and they, they think they might have made a mistake now, their coronavirus thing is like 10 times, the, 10 times higher than the rest of the Scandinavian countries. So and they pretty much left their schools and everything open. So I, so consequently, that kind of flies in the face of just having everybody show up and do what they want. In my opinion, I mean even they've admitted you can look this up. I'm not making this up. You can look it up. They've actually think that they, perhaps they made a mistake when they did it the way they did it. And secondly, I wanted to I wanted to say something about uh, maybe. You know, I, I saw where Marywood University, several schools around uh, Scranton, are going to have school like Bucknell and and uh, Susquehanna, but they're going to do a lot of the stuff instead of having uh, uh, having classes, they're going to do it the way they, if as uh, if they went home and did it on their computers. And my point being is, maybe you should have somebody from one of these universities to, uh, on to talk about this. I mean, who wants to pay fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year to to show up at Silsbee or Lutzburg and do the stuff online? I well, guess yeah, that's my point. I'm probably going to sure, of... I'm sure they have to do stuff a little differently, but. I'm not sure how many people would want to spend that kind of money to do stuff like you could stay home and do it. I would know? think
2: you'd probably get a lot of students who would take the year off, wait for everything to stabilize, then resume.
4: I don't know what's going to happen. I just just heard out last night on WNEP where several schools, I think it was Marywood and another one, were going to have school, but they were going to do it just like they're almost at home. I know, I know Bucknell is going to do this. They are going to have classes up until the uh, after. They're not going to have a fall break. And then when they leave, they're going to do go home and they can do their exams online the way they took at the end of the semester. I do know that. Okay. But they're going to have in classes as they're, you know, their classes aren't gigantic like a Penn State either, you know, the number of students there, so. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting. So I know you have some Bucknell prof- professor and a Susquehanna professor on, so maybe you could have somebody on, find somebody to contact, and have somebody on to talk about the pandemic and what's, what they think might happen, even if they don't, you know, best case options. That's my, that was my suggestion. Fair All right. Enough. Thank Noted. you, sir.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Mike is next up from Bloomsburg, PA. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark.
6: I've been busy this morning, so I haven't had a chance to find out if you guys had discussed the story that uh, ABC News has online about the researchers. that are looking into basically behavior patterns based on satellite photographs taken of China back in October that indicates that the virus was uh, circulating widely in uh, Wuhan at that particular time. You guys talk about that yet or not?
1: No, haven't heard that. Okay. In October, so wow. the,
6: the, yes. So basically, they, they're, uh, it's private industry people that use these satellite pictures and they they look at uh, traffic patterns and then cars and parking lots. They they do a lot of work for companies where they can say, "Hey, Walmart's getting so much business because they're seeing so many cars in their parking lot during this period of time and stuff." So, so what they're they're surmising is that the virus was spreading all over. China there in that province in October, at least October, okay? Now, to me, that uh, goes with the idea that in the first week of December in the United States, the CDC, uh, I don't know whether it was the national CDC or the one just in California, they issued three flu warnings for different areas of California, but only 10% of the people that came into these hospitals with flu symptoms were testing positive or I guess, the two or three flus that they would normally test for. So, in other words, there was something new going on that they issued uh, warnings for. So, basically, it had been going on, most likely, in October, November, December, in China. And during that time period, we were getting 20,000 people a day on, our, on airplanes coming to the United States. So, this virus was in most likely in our country, probably back in November at a minimum, because that's what would have caused, in my mind, that's what would have caused the uh, flu warnings in the first week of December in California. Now, we, Trump, they're they're blaming Trump for this. This is how, this is, it's insane that they're blaming Trump. And because we were infected well before anybody even knew. I mean, the first I heard of the virus was January the 6th, and it had already been here. There's no doubt in my mind so I don't understand why all this activity of blaming Trump for all these people's deaths when the real cause is China had it. They wouldn't let people leave that province unless they were leaving the country. And they spread it all over the world. And we know when you go into Walmarts or any other store to buy stuff, half of the stuff is made in China. So we're relying on China. We found that out on how much of our drugs come from there. We found out how much our economy relies on them and Trump is the only candidate right now that's talking about, hey, we need to bring jobs back home, we have to be less reliant on China, when the reality is that's the truth. But here we are talking about racism in the police force and getting rid of the police forces in some area. To me, we could go on another five years with the police force that we have right now, and we would would probably even have less problems than we've had in the past. (laughs) But if we stay hooked up with China, I don't know what we're going to be like. So to me, I think the conversation, instead of you know talking constantly on the news about police brutality and hearing about how, how police want to go hunt black people and, and exterminate them, that, that's just insanity when that problem is going to take care of itself, as it is taking care of itself if you look at statistics, but China's not taking care of itself. That's That's my concern.
1: Well, I agree with you. The President has certainly strongly advocated bringing things back to this country, and I, I agree with him completely. I mean, we need to be self sufficient. The whole idea that we're dependent on anyone for anything outside of this country worries me because that gives someone leverage that they shouldn't have over us. You know, and I'm not saying, I think I realize not every country can be self sufficient, but we were for many years, and I think we could be again.
6: Exactly. But, uh, uh, you know, you know, that but is a big word. We, we, know, you know, we know that free markets and, and trade with other countries is a positive thing, but we just cannot be so reliant on China to keep our economy running that, that we allow them to do whatever they want. I mean, the, the reality is they claimed that this virus was not spread human to human when they knew it was. Had we known that, had they been honest, things would have been a whole lot different so but you know we're, we're, we're blaming Trump on false premises yeah. and, and that seems to be the narrative that probably is going to control the next election.
1: Well I remember the me, the early stories right. were it came out of a fish market in Wuhan and the implication was it had something to do with fish.
6: Oh, exactly, because there have been uh, viruses that jumped from animals to humans via these live animal markets. So, you know, that, that was the cover story, in my opinion.
2: All right, thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate all your good points. Appreciate that. Thanks, Mike. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We invite you to do what hundreds of thousands of people have done over the past century. That's visit sunburymotors.com to see their entire Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai and pre-owned inventory online. It's all safe and sound. You can select your perfect vehicle and purchase it online right from your home. Then go pick it up and you don't have to have any human contact with the wonderful people there, but you'll be interested in talking to Jason or Jeff or Ernie or Austin or Kyle or the rest of the crew at the Sunbury Motor Company because you know that their main goal is to super serve you however they can do that. That is what they're going to do at the Sunbury Motor Company. How do they do that? Well, first of all, they got the quick lane that'll repair your car and they give you alignment. They'll pump you up with nitrogen, make sure they can do some body work on you too while you're there, Uh, but they'll also make sure that you have an opportunity to browse untethered they're uh, amongst the hundreds of vehicles and the Lincoln dealership. Uh, Joe's Lincoln Navigator's down there waiting. Uh, ben picked out a Ford Mustang for my lovely bride. And I, my rangers just down there shined up, ready to go. And they just want you to do the same thing. Either pick it out online or go down and walk amongst the vehicles. Select the vehicle you want. Hands free. No hands shaking. Masks optional. And go down there and check out the vehicle. And amongst? I haven't heard that word used in quite a while. Thank you. Is that that not a real word? Amongst. Yes, it's a real word. All right. It kind of dates to the 15th century. (laughs) Okay. Well, you who brandishes a, a breakfast spoon every morning. All right. The Sunbury Motor Company selling Ford, Hyundai, Kia, and Lincoln. Check them out at Sunbury Motors. Com. How shall we choose from amongst the accoutrements? <laughs> okay, well, he's brandishing his big vocabulary.
5: When it comes to car buying, there's the oh. other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth.
2: Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We got open phones and a couple of emails pending. 1 800 795 9565 is the number. Your speedy dialer can get through. Go ahead, Joe. All right. Uh, one of our emailers says I have a relative in
1: Burlington, Vermont, who says that cheating is rampant in these online college courses. Students just open their browsers and look up the answers to the tests, and everyone is getting A's. Are Bucknell and Susquehanna lowering tuition rates considering they will be staying home for the second semester? And not using dormitories, meal plans, activities, etc., they are missing the social
2: aspect of college life, and that's true. They are well. And uh, at this point, at least to Susquehanna, they're going to bring students back. So, and they did give them refunds for room and board while they were off campus.
1: Did they? Okay. Well, that's good, and that seems fair. And then we have this. uh, Just X that out, and then you'll see a full. I said why it's in red, but okay. All right. That's not the one we want. So here yeah. we go. Uh, police for too long have been our default solution to all problems. For example, in the mid-1980s, asylums were generally closed because they were terrible. What did we replace them with? Nothing. The solution defaulted to throw them to the criminal justice system. That right there is a problem. Police should not should do a few things and do them well. They should be the state's response to violence and investigate and stop crimes. Nothing else. The reality is If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you are trained to use violence to solve problems when faced with a new problem you were not designed to fix, force will be the solution more often than not. If it doesn't work, it really only hurts poor and middle class areas. Rich people can always afford security. I don't
2: think you know much about how police are trained to write a statement like that. Well, and to say that uh, you closed asylums and replaced them with nothing—that's th- not really true. Now we definitely have a community housing, or the community. Well, there's a wide range. There's a whole rainbow of things, but uh, they weren't replaced with nothing. But in any event, certainly more help for mental health um, consumers is Available. sound sound policy right. in the U.S. Uh, Stan, you're on the mark.
9: Good morning. i uh, got a question. and I'm not sure. I've seen something online, so you know how it may or may not be true.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know how the Republicans it was about, are. It was about
9: a, a statement by our, the Pennsylvania Health Secretary that all these restrictions and stuff will not be lifted, even in the green phase, until there is a working vaccine. Huh. Is that statement made by her.
2: I didn't hear it. Uh, I didn't hear it. I heard her speaking yesterday on that topic, but I didn't catch the
9: precise. Uh, it, was, quote. it was a couple days ago. Okay. I've seen it. Yeah, first, so. I, I, don't know. I think that's,
1: that would have made bigger news uh, if she said it.
9: Yeah, I would have thought so. So I'm not sure whether that's 100 percent true or not. But, you know, you've heard I've heard those statements around by some of these people in charge saying that, you know, restrictions aren't going to be lifted till there's a working vaccine. Well, that may be never. Mm-hmm. You know, my understanding of uh, viruses is right now there is no virus that has a working vaccine. Am I correct on that?
1: Well, the regular flu that we have has vaccines that are sometimes effective, sometimes not effective.
9: Exactly. So that's not necessarily a working vaccine. It's a, an attempt at a vaccine. Well, well,
1: it does work. I mean, I've I've had it for the my uh, my shot for the last five years, and I haven't gotten the flu. Knock on wood. So, is that well, because I've gotten it anyway? Right. Is that because I'm careful, or is that because the vaccine worked? He has obsessive <laughs> you know, hand like, washing all, to, all the, the time. That's
9: trying to prove a negative. Yeah. How do you do that? Not easily. <laughs> You're right. So I, that's I mean that's what I saw. i was just putting it out there. I don't know if it's 100 percent true. Like I said, it was on the internet. So on yeah. Facebook, I believe I saw it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'll go back and listen to the archives. We have them all posted at com. She was asked that question. I know there's no above green phase yeah, the governor did talk about that yesterday, that there's nothing beyond green at this point in their thinking. What is
9: beyond green? Yeah, uh, what is
2: beyond green? It's double green. Double secret green. Normalcy. All right. Thank you so much, Stan. Appreciate the call. 1-800-795-9565 is going to be the telephone number tomorrow for folks enjoying Open Phones on Wednesday. This is Double WDK, okay, Sunbury.